Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Remember, we talked about. Same thing happens to you. You go and pop on the TV and your surf channel's all over the place. Some of you probably have to have surgery on this thumb at some point. And you get to this channel and you go, ooh, ooh. Now the old man's going to go what? Now let's see where this goes. The old woman. Same thing. Doesn't matter what program it is. And your conscience says, this is not where you need to be. Okay, now I have God in me. He gives me the power to change it. By the way, God doesn't come down and change it. I have to do what? Change it. When you're a kid, it's pretty easy to make poor decisions. That's what your parents are for, right? They're supposed to guide you and demonstrate how to make correct choices. But what if you're one of those people who weren't raised with good guidance? It's harder to be sure that what you're doing is right. And that, as Pastor Mark will teach today, is where the Holy Spirit comes in. You'll find out how to get your internal guidance pointed in the right direction and how to strengthen that moral compass. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 8 as he continues his message, Christ's new covenant is better. When we come to the New Testament and we come to the New Covenant, there's only one part really of that that we keep. Can you imagine which part it is? Would it be the moral? Would it be the social rules? Or would it be the ceremonial laws? It'd be the moral. Because the moral laws don't what? They don't change. Now remember the Old Covenant, so you understand this, the Old Covenant was given to the Jews only. So when we come to the New Testament and we have the New Covenant, we do keep the moral laws. And the moral laws basically defined as the Ten Commandments. How many of those moral laws are repeated in a way, shape, or form in the New Testament? Nine of them. One of them isn't. Which law don't we have to keep? The Sabbath. Because that was only for the Jews. So, Pastor Mark, what do you mean? Christians don't have to keep the Sabbath? No. Because Paul says what? It was a shadow of that which is to come. So in the New Testament, how often do we worship God? You heard me say it a billion times. 24-7. Why? Because that's what worship is. It isn't regulated to a building. It isn't regulated to a service. Now, for convenience, like the New Testament church, everything you see in the New Testament church is on the first day of the week, which is not the Sabbath, which is Sunday. You say, well, will you have a Saturday night service here? That's the Sabbath. No, we do it and the sun's down. It's too late. 
We're already in a Sunday. So the only moral law that we don't keep is the Sabbath. And you'll have people argue with you and all of that kind of thing. That they, they can, That's fine. You can, again, if they want to worship on the Saturday, that's, it doesn't bother us. I worship on the Saturday a lot because I'm studying like crazy for the weekend on the Sabbath. That's okay. So understand, these three things were there. And all of these things went together. And it, it wasn't that the Old Testament, the law God gave them was bad. It was just temporary. Now, turn to Romans chapter 7 for a moment. You still with me? Two of you? He said, Pastor Mark, we don't need to know this stuff. Yeah, you do. It's very good that you know it. Because you'll have people say, why in the world do you worship on Sunday? Well, because the New Testament church did. Romans seven twelve. So then, the law is holy. And the commandment is holy. And righteous and good. There was nothing wrong with the law. The old covenant... The Mosaic Covenant, the law, was good. Here's what was wrong with the law. There was nothing wrong with the law. Who was the problem with? Us. So you can't say, God gave a bad law. No, he didn't give a bad law at all. It was me. Nothing wrong with the law. The problem was with man. Now, you're right there in Romans. Scoot over to chapter 8. See, man simply couldn't be good enough. He just couldn't be. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. The sinful mind, which is from man, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. There it is. But here's the big part. Nor can it do so. See, in myself, without God, I cannot obey God. I'll do good quite often, but quite often I'll just flat blow it because I'm rebellious. Notice, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So you say to an individual, why are you going to heaven? Because I'm a good person. Well, you can't please God because your mind hasn't been renewed. Impossible. Here's the verse. The sinful mind is not pleasing to God, but hostile to God. So the law was good, but it made demands that were impossible for man to keep. Man was always condemned. The law kept shouting this. Don't. Stop. Don't do it. It's wrong. It's a sin. Man knew it. Just kept doing it. Have you ever said this? I'll never do that again. We've all said it. But see, without God, we can't keep that promise. There's no way to keep the promise. Because I have a sin nature in me. So, it makes us frustrated. Without God's power and grace, a person would just spend their whole life frustrated. Continual failure. As we mentioned 
From time to time, a stronghold will come into our life. Certainly not demon possession or anything like that, but a stronghold. Or a sinful pattern that we just can't seem to get hold of. And it ruins our freedom. And that's why the altars were filled with people this weekend. In all the services. Why? Because they needed to be freed. And the old law couldn't do it. But the God that lived in them could do it. Notice in Galatians 3, this is a powerful verse. Those of you that are counselors and minister to people, this is a verse you ought to have in your Bible underline. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. See, prisoners, locked up, no freedom, no way to be free. Who you set you free is what? The son. And if he sets you free, you're free indeed. Without it, you're always a prisoner. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm a sinner, but I'm not really a prisoner. No, the Bible says you're a slave to sin. And to all its demands, all of us are. So remember, freedom comes not from the old law. Freedom comes from the new law because Christ comes in us. So the old law revealed sin. It set the standard, 55. The old law actually aroused sin. See, in the old days, I remember with my dad, we were in Kansas one time. It many years ago. We were driving as a family. There were no speed limits. That was a freeing place. Especially I was like a teenager. Wow. No speed limits. But the minute you went into a small town, 25. So what did that do? That made me want to go how much? 30. Am I right? So see, the law actually arouses a sin nature in us. Third, the law caused bondage because I couldn't keep it. And fourth, eventually, the law brought spiritual death. That's what the sacrifices were all about. So, it set a standard. And God then added to this even more frustration for our life. When you come to the New Testament, the book of Matthew says, if I'm going to keep the law, then I have to keep it 100%. Because if I break one law, I break them all. It's if I broke them all. So the standard... In the New Testament, in Matthew, is perfection. Talk about raising the bar. Perfection. Well, nobody could do it, except one. That's why you can point to a person and say, how good are you? Are you that good? Have you ever, ever sinned? Yes. Then you can never be good enough to go to heaven. Because the standard was perfection. So, when we come to that, you can understand the frustration that was there. Now, God never intended this to be permanent. It was always a temporary way, and it would move us to God. So here's some things. I know this is a lot of background, but it's good to remind you. The law, the old. Death, condemnation. It was temporary, and it was external. God never came to live inside. The law brought death. I felt condemned because I could never be good enough. God would then promise that there would be a new one, so we know it was temporary. And it was always about the outward things, because God wasn't going to come and live. Now, when we come to the new covenant, the gospel, the good news, instead of death, we have life. Instead of condemnation, we have freedom. Romans 8, 1, there is now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ. It is now permanent. There's a model two of the new covenant coming. And 
the big one, and we'll talk about this more later, it went from external to internal. That's huge. It went from external to internal. Now, here's three things I do want you to write. We'll give you time to write them. The law condemns, but it cannot convert. So it tells me I'm wrong, but I can't get right. Second, the law challenges us. Do better, do this, do that. But it cannot change me. And third, what both of those do is what the old law was intended to do. To drive me to somebody that could convert me and could change me. And of course, that person is Jesus. We'll leave it there for a moment. Remember, the law condemns, can't convert. The law challenges us, but cannot change us. And the law drives us to Jesus, who is the only hope for me being free and changed. The only hope that there is. Now, that simply meant that this new covenant was promised. Well, where was the new covenant promised? At what point was it promised? Well, it was promised way later on. And let's turn, if you will, to Jeremiah. And then we'll go right back to Hebrews because it's the very same verses exactly. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. This is a prophecy. It's a promise that God would change my heart and your heart. Good to go through foundational principles. A lot of this is foundational to you. Some of you know have been through it many times. Other you've never heard it before and you have to chew on a little bit. Now let me just stop and say something to you. You say, well, Pastor Mark, because I know this is going through some of your minds. What about these people in the Old Testament then? Did they ever become Christians? I mean, that's not fair. If God gave them this and they couldn't keep it, and he didn't live in their heart, what happened to them? Well, we know very much that since the beginning of time till the end of time, people become Christians or followers or go to heaven one way, by faith. Believing in God and that God would provide a solution. So in the Old Testament, we'll see when we get to chapter 11, all those great people in the Old Testament, Abraham and all the rest, that knew there was a Savior coming, never saw Jesus. They never got to ask Jesus to forgive them their sins. But they believed he was coming. It's always by faith. So the Old Testament people got saved exactly like the New Testament people. They believed there was a solution. They believed there was a Messiah. They believed there was a promised one coming who would be perfect. And they would look forward to the cross. We, after the cross, now always look back to the cross in faith. As I look back to that cross, can I prove that Jesus was there? No, I can't. I can't even prove that he lived. A lot of statements say they are, but I can't prove any of it. Can I prove he was resurrected? No. So how do I become a Christian? By what? By faith. There's enough evidence. The only way anybody becomes a Christian is by faith. Old Testament, New Testament. Remember, Abraham believed and it was counted unto him what? Righteousness. Now, Jeremiah 31, verse 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make... A, circle this in your Bible, 
a new covenant. And you'll remember this night. With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now this is very interesting. Just stop for a moment. I won't take long. All of those people that say, well, God's through with Israel. He's through with Judah. Well, who is he making the covenant for? (laughs) This is still his people. The house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time. I will put, there's a promise, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, they'll be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Now notice all the eyes. Do you see all the eyes? See, this is different than the first covenant. The old covenant was based on man's faithfulness to God. And that's why he failed over and over and over again. The new covenant would be based on the faithfulness of God, not the faithfulness of man. And because of that, God knew we would still fail. So he provides us what? John 1, 9. If I confess my sins, he, he, he is faithful to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So Old Testament, based on the faithfulness of man to God, trying to keep the law, trying to be good enough. The new covenant, based on the faithfulness of God. Now, turn back to Hebrews chapter 8, and we'll read the same verses. This is the longest Old Testament quotation in the New Testament. Again, 66 books, 40 plus authors, all work together because there is really one author, and that's God, the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 8. We'll get to these in a moment. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Now here we come into four betters. Four betters. Say it with me tonight. Mo better. Mo better. It's mo better. So here we go. Number one. You can write it down. Better. Mo better. Because it's inward. It's of the heart. Look in verse 10. This is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and write them on their hearts. See, instead of condemnation and fear, God would put his laws, his laws of grace, in the very heart of man. Everything with man centers on our heart. Life revolves around the decision-making that's done in our heart. And as that has changed, we discover something. When God comes and changes my heart, now no longer do I have to obey God. But now there's a great way to be thankful to God. And as because he's forgiven me and he's put his laws in my heart, 
I'm grateful to him. So no longer do I obey God because I have to. But now I obey God because I want to. That's a very huge difference. Did you pay your tithes? Do I have to? Did you sign up to go put your finger as your wife wraps the gift? Do I have to? No, that's the Old Testament. You go because you get to. You get the privilege. Why? You didn't deserve what you have. You didn't deserve God coming in your heart. I didn't deserve God coming in my heart, but he did. So it's out of thankfulness that we do this. This thankfulness, you know, I can only talk about thankfulness on Thanksgiving. No, we should be thankful what? Give thanks in everything, 24-7. So when God comes into me, he changes my heart. The Bible says he actually changes my wanter. Now, I still have a little trouble because I'm still selfish. So I have to battle that. But he changes my wanter. The other thing that I think is very important here is this. When God comes into me, I now have, we don't have time to get into it, I now have the ability to say what? No to sin. Before I didn't. I have the ability now because God lives in me. And we'll talk about that when we talk about our conscience. So when God comes into me, he'll say to me, no. Remember we talked about the same thing happens to you. You go and pop on the TV and you surf channels all over the place. Some of you probably have to have surgery on this thumb at some point. And you get to this channel and you go, ooh, ooh. Now the old man's going to go what? Well, let's see where this goes. The old woman, same thing. doesn't matter what program it is. And your conscience says, this is not where you need to be. Okay, now I have God in me. He gives me the power to change it. By the way, God doesn't come down and change it. I have to do what? Change it. And that's the danger for many men and women who travel. When they travel, they're in a hotel room by themselves, and they have this mentality. Nobody's here. Well, their husband isn't there. Their wife isn't there. Is there anybody with them in that hotel room? Yes, God is. By the way, he's speaking to them, but they think they're alone. And we deceive what? Ourselves. And so... When I become a Christian, I have the Holy Spirit in me. God lives in me. It's better. It's inward. It's huge. Look at Galatians 5. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have nailed their passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In other words, now that I have God living in me, I'm just to keep in step with the Spirit. When he says, stop, don't look, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do this, offer this, be kind, be forgiving, I just keep in step with the Spirit. Before, I didn't have the power to do that. I could do it some, but most of the time I couldn't do it. Now I have the power of God in me to help me do that. So, that's more better. Today, Pastor Mark's teaching covered more about the differences between the Old Covenant, the Law of Moses, and the New Law, the Law of Christ. You learn that the problem with the law wasn't the law. It was that the Israelites couldn't keep the law. The other problem was that the Aaronic sacrifices could only cover sin. It couldn't get rid of them forever. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish his teaching, Christ's New Covenant is Better. He'll be talking about how God had hinted throughout the Old Testament that he was going to replace the old law with a newer, more complete system. Pastor Mark will talk about the real purpose of the law and how Jesus' sacrificial death solved the problems the law of Moses created. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team, your Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.